co-hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Welcome. Come on in, grab a desk, get your pencil boxes out. That's right. Today is the first day of summer school. Welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. Today, we are kicking off the first part of a three-part mini-series where we're going to look at the foundation of saving and investing. Today's topic is planning for the future. This is really, really important stuff. I saw a survey done by Schwab a little while back, and according to them, only 25% of Americans have a written financial plan. And I would suspect that number is probably even a little high. And there's some very good reasons for this. Number one would be most people feel that doing a plan wouldn't benefit them in any way. For a lot of folks, the plan is, well, just trying to stay out of debt this year. We've all seen and heard the statistics on the number of people who are living paycheck to paycheck. They think planning is for the wealthy. And I'm here to tell you, that's not true. In my opinion, a written plan can help almost anyone. And that's because I think people who have a written plan tend to have greater financial discipline and better money habits habits overall. It's like having a workout buddy. It's Wednesday. I have to go meet so-and-so for the walk or the jog around the park. I can't bail on that, right? They hold you accountable. They keep you on track. According to the same poll, the planners versus the non-planners, you guessed it, the planners are twice as likely to pay their bills and save every month as opposed to the non-planners. Let's face it. Some people are afraid. It's like going to the doctor or the dentist. I don't want to know. They don't want to make choices or remedies or lifestyle changes that might be necessary. People will practice avoidance, hoping it'll just go away and fix itself. I could go on for an hour on why people don't plan. But the bottom line is you should have one. Let me say that again. You should have one. If you're going to build a house, well, you go out and you get blueprints. You just don't start nailing boards together you're going to run a marathon. Well, you come up with a training plan. Just don't go out and start jogging for a while. You don't wing these things. Getting started isn't that hard. You just need to take that first step. Some of you need a more comprehensive plan and others of you don't. Let's be clear here. Participating in your company's 401k or starting an IRA, that's not a plan. It's a start, but it's not a plan. The basic idea is you want to find out where you are, get an idea of where you want to be in the future, and figure out how you're going to get there. Now, do you need a planner or an advisor? Not necessarily. Probably not what you expected to hear from an advisor, but the reality is is not everyone needs an advisor. If you love this stuff and you've worked in finance for a while, you may not need someone like me. You're just starting saving and investing. Things can be set on autopilot, meaning 
you live within your means, you contribute to your 401k, you build up your emergency savings. But as time goes on and things get more complicated, you may want to consider using a planner or an advisor. A good advisor who's working with you on the planning side, as well as the investment uh, investment side, can be worth way more than the expense. That's what you're really seeking in that relationship. You're seeking value. And I know a lot of you folks say, I'm just going to do it myself instead of paying someone. Well, I think you should at least consider the value that an, adv- that an advisor might provide. You've heard of Vanguard. You know, Vanguard, the company that legendary John Bogle found, uh, was the founder of, home of the index fund. Well, a study by Vanguard says an advisor can add about 3% a year in value. 3% a year. Think about that for a second. Vanguard is saying an advisor can add around 3% a year. That's a lot different than some big brokerage house saying it. That's just talking their book. No, this is Vanguard. A lot of that estimated return comes in the form of what they call coaching, the advice side, especially when the markets get volatile, both to the upside and and to the downside, because basically the average investor just doesn't get good results over time, at least according to Dalbar. Dalbar is a company that's been measuring this stuff ever since, I think, 1994. To give you an example, last year, the average equity investor underperformed the S&P 500 by more than 5%. Why? Well, the simple reason is is that they bought and sold at the wrong time, along with a couple of other factors. A plan and a good advisor can help you from making those types of emotional mistakes. Now, let me say, I don't completely agree with all the numbers that Dalbar puts out and What I mean to say is that, yes, the numbers are the numbers, but that's not exactly how life works. We didn't all put $10,000 into the S&P on January 1st, 10 or 20 years ago and let it sit there forever. No, we saved along the way. We bought a house, so we took some money out. We saved some more, and now we have college expenses coming up, so we're going to take some more out. Yeah, Life happens. I think Dalbar's numbers do a really, really good job at showing us the trend. And Morningstar basically tells us the same thing that Vanguard and Dalbar says. Morningstar says a good advisor can add about a percent and a half because, and I'll quote them, as investors, emotions can be our own worst enemy, especially when markets are volatile and guidance from a behavioral coach can save us from panic selling and abandoning long-term financial plans. Yeah, that's a percent and a half just from coaching. Then there are the additional benefits that come from asset allocation and planning on spending down your assets. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. So they end with basically the same conclusion that a good advisor can add as much as 3%. But it doesn't always show up in the statement that you get every month. Say, for example, if you're trying to decide whether you should pay off a house or something like that. The advisor looks at all the pluses and minuses and talks to you about it. And you agree to go one way, one way or another. And it ends up saving you maybe $100,000 in interest. That's a 
hypothetical, of course, but that 100,000 doesn't show up in your statement at the end of the month, but that person helped you save a bunch of money. Once you have a good solid plan in place, then you can start thinking about saving and investing. When I think about this, I think about it in three buckets. Each bucket has a different time frame: your short-term, your intermediate needs, and your long-term savings, meaning your 401ks, your IRAs, and investment accounts. Let me start with the short-term bucket. That's the emergency pot, the money that's stashed away for those inevitable emergencies, your your really short-term needs. When I say short-term, I'm talking less than three years. Now, this money shouldn't be invested. It's going to sit in a savings account, a money market, or maybe even some laddered CDs or something. It's not invested because you want that money to be there if and when you need it. So you aren't going to make a whole lot on it. How much do you need? Eh, The rule of thumb, I always hear people quote is three months of income, but I just think it depends on you. If you're just out of college, you probably don't need three months of income sitting in a savings account. If you're just retired, well, you may feel more comfortable having a year's worth of income in cash. Again, it just depends. Now, the long-term bucket, that's the retirement savings, the 401s, the TSPs, if you're a government worker, the IRAs, you don't want to be dipping into this bucket. That's why you have the other buckets. This is truly for the long term. If you have a 401k at, uh, 401k at work, you should be saving into it and taking advantage of any match your employer is going to give you. The younger you are, the more stop type investments you should have in it. Don't worry about short-term movements of the market because this money is in there and you want it to grow for the next 20 or 30 years. Once you've put in enough to get your employer match, if there is one, you can either continue to put money into the 401k or take advantage of a, and take advantage of the tax deferred compounding, or you can start building up the third bucket, and that's a taxable account. But I want to make sure that you're taking advantage of the match if there is one. The third bucket of money, that's the one that the, the taxable account, an individual account or a joint account with your, your spouse. That third bucket is to fund your intermediate goals. Maybe you want to buy a house in five or 10 years. This money you want to be more aggressive with than your short-term bucket, which is in cash, but not as aggressive as your long-term retirement accounts. And a plan is going to help you decide how much and where to save. But there's some common mistakes that I see people make when they're doing their plans. So let me run through just a couple here. Hopefully, it'll save you some headaches along the way. And if you need help putting a plan together, well, give us a call. The number is 301-770-5234. Once again, 301-770-5234. The first mistake I see is not having a plan. But we've already hit on that, and you know that you should have a plan, right? Okay. The second one would be underestimating how long we're going to live. I see a lot of plans that run out until the person turns 85 and then it just stops. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not planning on 
turning the lights out when I'm 85. I want to go as long as I can. I think 85 is too young. We're all out there. We're jogging. We're riding our bikes. We're taking better care of ourselves, not to mention all the advances in healthcare over the years. We're living longer. And if you're planning, I would use a 95 instead of 85. You just don't want to come up short. The third mistake is if we're living longer, well, we're going to need more money. Plain and simple. We're just going to need more money if we're living longer. If that's the case, then I think that investors may be under allocated to stocks. There's a rule of thumb out there that people use. You take your age and you subtract it from 100 and that's your allocation to stocks. So if you're 60 years old, 60 mi- or 100 minus 60 is 40. The rule of thumb would tell you that you should have 40% in stocks. I think that's way too low for some people. If you had 60% in bonds, and right now maybe you're getting what, 3 or 4% in interest from those bonds? Well, that may not be enough. Maybe it is. Again, it all comes back to the plan and where you are. You have to have the game, or you may have already have the game won. And all you need to do is protect what you have. I've said outperforming the market really shouldn't be the goal. But making your plan work should. And I'll give you a football analogy. The Redskins are winning 40 to nothing at halftime. That's right. 40 to nothing at halftime. Do you think they're going to come out and throw long passes, the Hail Mary down the field? No, they're going to be more defensive. They're going to protect the ball. They have the game won. The goal here isn't scoring the most points. It's winning the game. Another potential mistake I see is in the spending down of the retirement assets. Just like we have a plan on how much and where we should save, there should be a plan on how we spend them down in the most efficient way. For example, do we take money out of uh, out of the IRAs up to a certain point and then supplement it with money from uh, the Roth IRA? That way we don't get pushed into a higher tax bracket. There are things to think about here. I've seen plans that do the straight lining, as I call it, straight lining. People have worked and saved all their lives. And in retirement, they say, I need X amount of dollars every year in retirement. My experience has been retirement isn't a straight line. You have what I call the go-go years, the slow-go years, and the no-go years. In the go-go years, maybe spending is higher. Because you have new hobbies and interests. Maybe you're traveling more, going to places you've never been. And then you have the slow go years. You've been these places that you've wanted to go. You've settled down a little bit. Things have backed off. And your spending has probably slowed down a little bit. And then you have the no-go years where the only place you're really going is to the doctors. And then your spending probably elevates or increases somewhat. So, I think there are better, more efficient ways to spend down retirement assets than just using that straight line approach. Okay, we've used up all our class time for today. Next week, we'll be back in session and we'll be talking about stocks, how to pick them. One of my favorite things to do. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing, and we are done. 
listen to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.